This is Folklife Field Notes, celebrating living traditions in Virginia through sound recorded by the Virginia Folklife Program. I'm Chris Boros from WMRA, and as always, joined by Pat Jarrett from Folklife. So I've been going to a lot of basement shows lately. I've been working on a project about house venues in Virginia. Certainly all around the country, you know, a lot of punk and metal bands play in basements and play in houses. Because of Virginia's unique liquor license laws and beer license laws, you really can't have bars like we had in Cleveland growing up. In Cleveland, they were just bars with stages, and they were open. They sold booze, they sold beer, and they had bands on stage, and that was it. But in Virginia, you need to be able to sell food. So what that does, it forces a lot of these bands into DIY spaces, and those are house shows. Did you know that Harrisonburg was a hotbed of house show activity for years? Still is? Tell me. Yeah. So Harrisonburg has JMU, and... It hasn't always been the JMU that people know today. You know, the downtown wasn't always what it was. You know, there hasn't always been venues. So I remember when I first moved here, people were talking about the house shows here in Harrisonburg. And Grant, Grant Penrod, who is the front man of a punk band Crab Action, gave me a whole history of growing up here in Harrisonburg. Grant told me that there were probably about a dozen houses that were active at any time when he was growing up in the 80s and 90s, and he was a skater going to shows. One of the longest running in Harrisonburg is Crayola House, and it has been active since the 90s, which in house venue years, it's the equivalent of an ancient artifact. This is like... The Roman Colosseum having NASCAR races. It is incredibly old for its age. Because some of these houses in Harrisonburg would be active for a semester. Mm. They'd be active for sometimes a show. As always, and it still is the case, you kind of have to know to know. You have to be part of the scene. The going phrase in the flyers is always ask a punk for the address. I talked to Rocky McIntyre up in Stevens City at the Cactus Crypt. The Cactus Crypt is one of these houses? Yeah, the Cactus Crypt is his venue. Gotcha. And the thing that he talks about is punk is a youth movement, and the kids need a place to go. There's a lot of love for music around here, but the metal scene is much more active. Like, there's always shows going on at Blue Fox and at... But, like, the punk scene doesn't cross over because it's a younger crowd and they can't get into those venues simply by not being 18. There are definitely, like, kids in this area that, like, want to experience live music and punk rock and they want to, like, embrace it. But kind of the only chance they really get to is when something happens at the Bright Box. Because when it's at the Bright Box, everyone knows about it. It's, like, a big thing. It's a big deal. When Destructor Disc did their show there, I think, like, 270 something people showed up to it and they were all like under 20. (laughs) People would show up, it's just they need a place to show up to. 
punk is a youth-driven movement. We have like 14, 15 year old kids like coming up to our shows here. That's awesome, but it's like that you know wouldn't happen when we're playing at a bar. It's like it's gonna be an older crowd and a crowd that's probably not really into punk rock either. <laughs> Explain to me what is a house punk concert? What is it like when you go to the Crayola house? Well, first of all, it's, I mean, concert is a right. pretty formal term. <laughs> it's a show. It's a show, man. They're advertised. Back in the day, it was flyers. You hung them up at the record store. You put them at the skate shop. Now, a lot of it is on social media. But you kind of have to know. Now, there's a note that says DM for the address. And that's so that you can be screened. You know, we'll check you out. Make sure. Wow. It's almost like needing the password at a speakeasy. It kind of is, man. Pat set me. It's pretty hard for like younger musicians to have a place to thrive because like they can't play at the Blue Fox or Granny's. They can't go to shows there and booking at Brightbox is hard. Now that we have just the space and we can just throw whatever shows we want, I can plan shows that like we're not playing. I can focus on that stuff so that the bands can just focus on playing so that like they don't have the stress of having to like set up their own PA and run their own sound. Go! Go! I've been going in the past year, I've been going and photographing different houses around Virginia and surrounding areas. What I found out is that these places not only serve the bands, but it also acts as an incubator because the people that go to house shows are enthusiastic about the music. They know what they're getting into and they are more likely to talk to their friends about a band they saw at a house because they're passionate about it. It's kind of twofold the benefit of these small spaces and a lot of these bands that will fill basements, you'll see them at clubs and people will be like, well, where are all these people come from? Who knew this band? This is the first time they're on our stage. How are they filling the place up? And it's because they were selling out basements. At these houses that have these shows, do people live at the Crayola house? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, these are these are residences. I see. And so you got to take some precautions. Yeah. You know, there's a amount of trust and there's an amount of respect that come along with inviting strangers into your house to see punk music. That's crazy that I never thought of it that way, that you really are inviting people you don't know into your home. There has to be a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust, and you see that. I, I went to a, a house in Tacoma Park, Maryland, called Hell. All right. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it was one of the most radically accepting, mm. loving places I've ever been. The community was so tight. Mm. I've never heard the phrase, I love you, more outside of a family gathering than I did at Hell that night. <laughs> Thank you.
these communities, they really are communities, support each other. It's really full of love and acceptance, and it's a great place for the weirdos and the punks to go to express themselves. Yeah. It's awesome. It seems like this community, they need a space like this to express themselves. That's it. Yeah. Because a lot of the music is very extreme. Yeah. And people need a place to go to express themselves, and these DIY spaces provide that. We are sitting at the Cactus Crypt in Stephen City, Virginia. There was a flyer I saw for these two bands that were playing a show. Uh, one of the bands was called The Crypt Keeper Five, and the other band was called White Cactus. And the way it was laid out, the words cactus and crypt were next to each other, and I saw it and something just clicked, and I was like, that's the name. <laughs> The Winchester scene is really interesting because there is both a punk and a metal scene, but like metal like really dominates because the metal scene exists in like the bars and stuff around here. Like there's Blue Fox and Grannies are like the bigger spots around here. And then uh, there's another venue called the Bright Box. Anyone can book there. Like that's where a lot of the punk bands play. Yeah, it's kind of like weird how it's divided because all the metal bands play in the bars and stuff and punk bands don't really do that because most of the bars are 18 and up around here. So like kids really can't go to shows. We've heard from some people that rock is dead. It makes me feel good knowing there's these young kids that are they're still rocking. You know, man, I feel the same way. And Chris, the kids are all right. (laughs) I really love what Rocky's doing. He's a young man. He's in his early 20s. But he really understands that the punk community is young and they got to have a place to go to experience it. In some regards, Chris, you're right. Rock is dead. You think about major stadium tours. You can go to a stadium and see a huge band, but you're not there. You're not four feet from the stage. You're not in a sweaty basement with other people that look like you and love what you love. I mean, you pay 250 bucks for that ticket. That's not rock. No, no. And who can afford a 200? I can't afford a $250 ticket right now. And this is why I like going to small basement venues and small clubs. And that's the thing. That's the real experience. That's where rock and roll lives is in these small basements. That's where punk lives is in these basements. I want this place to be a creative space for the bands that don't really have room in the bigger scene around here. They don't have much of a creative outlet. It's become increasingly harder 
for the smaller punk bands to like get out and do stuff. So like that's what I want to bring here. Someone get me out of this place. It's so great to know that punk still lives, you know? And it's interesting that you say it's a young movement because when I think of punk, I think late 70s. You know, when I go to these shows, a lot of times I'm the old man at the show, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. This is music that has been part of my life since I heard it. Absolutely. When I was in eighth grade, I think, which is about the age where Rocky met his bandmates and started playing bass in his bands. I was in eighth grade, I think it was. I was not an athletic kid, but I would do the stats for the basketball team. So I was you know, always around that crowd, and the basketball coach introduced me to Pantera <laughs> at the private Christian school I went to. <laughs> so we would roll up to basketball games listening to Cowboys from Hell. <laughs> and that was how I got into heavier music. I think people are reticent to classify this as folk music or right. folk traditions, right? Yeah. yeah. But if we think to bluegrass, bluegrass is considered folk music, but it was invented in the 1960s, 10 years before punk, right? So if we think about it like that, what's to say that punk music isn't folk music? It's a community expression. And I would argue that the communities that I've seen here in Virginia are stronger than a lot of other artistic communities anywhere. My parents and grandparents used to take me to like bluegrass festivals and stuff around here because the Shenandoah Valley like there's a ton of bluegrass and like Appalachian music so like I went to so many and I was so young but my family's appreciated music because like you know they would take me and do stuff like that I think my dad's dad played guitar but like not like prolifically like kind of just as a hobby thing uh, he wasn't trying to be a musician he was trying to be a, a cattle farmer <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if back in the day, people looked at Bill Monroe as a punk because he had started this, this music that wasn't the norm <laughs> and he probably upset some people. Well, and I can't help but think about Bob Dylan at the Newport Folk Festival yep. plugging in. Totally. He certainly made people mad. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, he was booed. You know, in order to continue artistic expression, you got to make a couple people mad, I feel like. And I think that you know, some of the most extreme music I've heard has been at houses. And it's got me rethinking what music is in these communities, and I love it. I think it's great. A lot of what I'm doing here is inspired by both the Crayola House and Harrisonburg. That opened my eyes to, like, the DIY scene here in Virginia. And then Guar.
because like when Guar started out, it was like this artist community in like a abandoned milk bottling plant. People would live there, people would do art gallery shows there, while punk rock bands were rehearsing in the corner to an audience and stuff like that. You know, that's where Dave Brocky started Death Piggy and met the filmmakers who wanted to make Scum Dogs of the Universe and eventually led to the creation of like the Slave Pit Studios where they make all their props. They have their own studio where they can record, you know, they rehearse there. Like that's kind of what I want this place to be. I want it to be like everything that Trap Hill Collision needs to like flourish creatively and then to extend that to the other bands in the community. I want art to thrive here. I was really excited to hear him mention Guar because I interviewed Dave Brocky years ago backstage at the Agora in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. And it was me and Dave Brocky who has passed away now. Uh, he was the lead singer of Guar. He played Odorish Chirungus in the band. And there I was sitting with Dave Brocky surrounded by Guar costumes. And he talked about the DIY aspect of the art he creates. Slave Pit is the production company we've had now for, you know, over 12 years. You know, we do all our own merchandise and all our own video production. We record our records in-house, you know, we have our own studio That's now. Awesome. It's great. It's a very, like, David Koreshian kind of compound. Big barbed wire fence around it. <laughs> Underground passages. You know, heavily armed. Lots of dogs. You know, we're waiting for the day they, try, they come in there and try to take us out. We won't go any, any way other than boot first. We wanted to make something that was very edgy and uh, surreal and, and not cool, not cool at all, you know, the, the idea was never to be a big hit, the idea was never to be a big success, our idea of being a success was to fulfill our ideas of what we wanted to be as artists. Guar is so DIY. They did everything. They're like almost the originators in a lot of ways of, a, of maybe this aesthetic. Certainly. And it, Guar didn't work in D.C. Richmond, Virginia. Guar worked in Virginia. We were just like, yeah, we knew we were artists, whatever. We didn't want to make a big deal about it. We were, in many ways, Guar was a reaction against the formalized art school academy kind of uh, trip that a lot of these instructors, professors want to get you involved with. Uh, this really cliquey art is only for the elite. You know, cartoons aren't art. Horror isn't art. Fantasy isn't art. Whatever. And in many ways, Guar was a way for us to, to fire back at our professors. What you did. Guar wouldn't exist without the community support. Oh, big time. Big and, time. And that's, you can hear that. And they are a collective. I mean, I don't know, I'm not sure how, what it's like now with, with Slave Pit. I talked with Bob Gorman. He manages Slave Pit with Margot. They are working in the shop all the time. And what he told me is Guar, at its core, is an art collective. And it wouldn't be that without the community. Yeah. That's Virginia Punk, man. Yeah. 
If there's one thing you want people to get out of the Quora experience, what is it? That they are masters of their own destiny, that they have the ability to do anything they want with their lives. Uh, we were a bunch of pimply-faced art school students, and somehow we took from chaos the material to create what I believe one day will be hailed as one of the most important rock and roll bands in history. And uh, we did it with creativity and hard work and, uh, and a lot of really talented people. And I, I hope that inspires people to, to follow their dreams because you really feel like as you go through the educational system, they try to crush that out of you. They really want you not to try to do that, you know, so you can just go be a little corporate cub or work at Kinko's or something. And, uh, you know, you can, you can follow your dreams and they will take you places like the belly of the world maggot. I've been all around the state and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. There's something here. There's something DIY. From Norton to Fredericksburg to Stevens City to Richmond to Norfolk, there are venues hidden in plain sight. And it's beautiful. A lot of these guys come from different music scenes. Actually, Rocky met the members of his band, Trap Hill Collision, well, they were all in the praise band at church. And that's such a valley thing. Three of the current members of Trap Hill Collision, we all went to a private Christian high school together, Mountain View Christian Academy. Trevor and I were in the worship band at our school together. So, like, every Wednesday we had chapel as part of our, like, electives. And Trevor and I would do the music for that. And then my roommate Jeb was going to this other church and he was on the worship team there. And then we started trying to push into more of like a Christian metal direction where we were covering like Skillet and Thousand Foot Crutch and Red and then sneaking some other stuff in there like a day to remember. <laughs> and then like one practice, we learned Dig Up Her Bones by the Misfits and we were like, all right, this is what we want to do. He's So from then, we kind of transitioned out from like the Christian worship and uh, Christian metal kind of thing and became more of a horror punk band. <laughs> I would still consider myself a Christian. I don't think of myself as like a judgy Christian. I kind of want people to be people, but I do believe in God. people do you think are like Rocky? For you and me, this is normal. We like metal, but we like bluegrass. Hmm. Is that normal for these punk guys, do you think? Do they listen to lots of different kind of music like you and I do, or are they really just punk and that's it? I'm going to flip that question on its head, Chris, hmm. because I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of conversations with old-time and bluegrass musicians about their favorite punk bands and their favorite metal bands. There's a big crossover between drone metal and old-time music. I can kind of see the connection, but I was surprised. A lot of punk, 
musicians really enjoy that dr- hard driving bluegrass and hard driving old time dance music. Sure. The best thing about the punk scene is that you can come as y- yourself. So if you're really into bluegrass and you really want to show up in your finest cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, as long as you're accepting of other people, you'll be accepted. And so I think that there are plenty of people like Rocky, but also there are plenty of bluegrass and old-time musicians that are a lot like Rocky that you wouldn't think. Each of these houses have their own identity, meaning does the Crayola house cater to one type of punk and then the another house, maybe it's more hardcore or is it not like that? It's kind of like that, mm-hmm. but the thing that links them more than anything else is that they're DIY venues. Something interesting that Grant was telling me, Grant Penrod being the lead vocalist of Crab Action, and somebody called him the godfather of punk in Harrisonburg which I truly believe. He was saying that when he was coming up, there were different scenes around different houses. And sure, there were like disagreements here or there, but the scenes weren't big enough to really have rivalries. You know, the the hip-hop guys and the indie rock guys and the metal guys all playing a show together because there was scarcity. Scarcity in the sense they needed a place to play? Scarcity in venues. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so these houses came up out of necessity for places to make music. When you're in a basement at one of these houses, I mean, what's the show like? Are there lights? Is the sound mixed well? Like, what? what is it? I don't know. How unprofessional is it? You know, Chris, I, I, there are lights. Uh, a lot of times they're Christmas lights. <laughs> sure. uh, there's sound. Uh, sometimes it's rudimentary. Sure. I've got this great photo of Rory. He's a friend of mine from Fredericksburg running sound at Crawl Space. And it's this giant soundboard. And he's kneeling at the soundboard. That is right next to the hot water heater. And we have this picture on the Folklife Field Notes website for this episode. You can check it out. Yeah, and that photo is also up at the walls at the Virginia Museum of Contemporary Art with some of the other photos, and they will be up until February. So go check it out at Virginia Beach, uh, the Virginia Museum of Contemporary Art. Each one of these houses has, you can feel the connectivity. You know, I felt a little bit out of place because I was the new guy. And some of these people are really accepting. And they showed up to the gallery opening in Virginia Beach. A lot of them did. And I felt really embraced. The community support is what it's all about. And I feel honored to share in this community expression. I made a portrait of Rocky in Cactus Crypt where you can definitely see that he lives there, right? It's interesting to think that this is also a venue because he's sitting on his bed 
You know, he's got a Godzilla poster in the background. It looks like my room when I was in my, you know, 20s. Your room today. My, all right, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> And that picture is also on the website. That is, that is, and that's also at the Virginia Mocha. The lyrics to that song they close with is, nobody likes you, that's why we like you. And that's kind of the ethos of these houses you know are you a misfit you not quite fit in with the mainstream are you a little bit weird let's hang out